here on this Palm Sunday, that Sunday before uh, that great Resurrection Sunday that we'll be celebrating next Sunday. But we always are reminded that our God it didn't just uh, rise 2,000 years ago from the dead. He's alive and He lives every day. He is risen every day. Amen. The tomb is empty, and because that tomb is empty, if we'll receive Him as Lord and Savior, our lives can be full, full of His blessing and full of His presence and full of His love and full of His peace. We just thank God. Thank God for His goodness. Now we're about to study the Word of God, and that's a miraculous time. I don't know if you realize that or not, but God says that uh, faith arises, faith steps up, faith wakes up, faith begins to flex its muscles, faith comes when we study the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So as we're going to study God's Word here in just a minute, I want you to let your faith rise up. I want you to let the Word speak to you and let your faith reach out and believe God for more because God has provided so much for you, more than you are appropriating, more than you're taking advantage of. And it takes faith to reach into the storehouse, reach into the treasury of what God has provided for us and to take hold of what He has. And we pray that in the next 20, 30 minutes, that your faith will rise up and you'll be able to reach further into the treasury of God and receive even greater benefits that He has for you this week. To Him be the glory and the honor and the praise. Jesus told the devil, devil wanted him to turn stone into bread after a time of fasting. Some of you have been fasting with us during this 40 days of prayer and fasting. And today's an exciting day because now that, that, that fast for the uh, prayer and fasting for the city that we've been doing has come to a close. And you're like, yippee. I mean, there's a resurrection life. Some of you put coffee down and you can't wait to get back to the coffee. And some of you put down sugary sweets and you're looking for a big dessert today. Don't over do it. It wasn't all of that anyway. Come on now. Some of you fasted uh, a lot of things. Some, somebody told me they tried to do a complete fast, just water fast for the 40 days. I don't know that anyone made it the full 40. Anybody the full 40 just water? Not a hand to be seen in all of the land. <laughs> I don't think I'm seeing. Okay. But uh, let me tell you, whatever you have sacrificed and whatever you put aside, let me tell you what, God saw the sacrifice. And God, let me tell you what, I believe is well pleased with you. So thank God for all that we've been doing in preparation for this great uh, Palm Sunday. But what we're going to look at in the Word this morning is how we can better prepare ourselves this week for this upcoming Resurrection Sunday. So we'll be looking in the Word, but let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Your Word is powerful. Your Word is alive. Your Word is sharper than a double-edged sword. Your Word will quicken in our mortal body the resurrection power of heaven on earth. Lord, we love Your Word. We're going to study Your Word. And as we read Your Word and as we meditate on Your Word, Lord God, we want to be committed to do Your Word. So I'm just praying right now, God, even before we hear what your word says, we're committed to do it. To you be the glory and the honor and the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Well, uh, like I said, <clears throat> we want to prepare ourselves 
for this upcoming uh, Resurrection Sunday. Now, let me tell you what. Our God is alive. He rose from the dead over 2,000 years ago. And we're not going to wait one day, a week, one day a year to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Uh, however, we live in a world that builds up in a world that kind of has a, uh, you might would say a sales funnel, if you could call it that, that leads to uh, Easter, as the world calls it Easter, we like to call it Resurrection Sunday, um, as a time that is uh, people are more apt to go to church, they're more apt to hear the Word of God, and they're more open to that. So, so we as a church have to be prepared for the seasons that we live in. And this is a season that we're living in. And God is a God of seasons. He's the one who gives us seasons. In the spring season, uh, He gives us uh, feast as well. So feasts to mark a time, to remind the, the uh, uh, mankind of what He has done and what He has yet to do. Uh, as we look into Scripture, there are seven basic feasts that the Lord set up. Four of those are in the springtime and three of those are in the fall. And the four that are in the springtime have already been fulfilled uh, and we see they've led us into our church age that we're in now. And the church age is to lead us into these final three feasts and the culmination of all God's plan here on earth uh, that will come this fall. So the four spring feasts that we are participating in, uh, Passover is one. We're in Passover season now. But Passover uh, this Friday night, Good Friday, uh, when uh, Jesus was crucified, commemorating when Jesus was crucified, goes all the way back to when the Israelites were in Egypt and had been in slavery for hundreds of years. And God gave Moses the instructions for them to take each family a lamb for their family, a lamb without spot or blemish. They were to get to know that lamb, take it into their home. They were to then kill that lamb and put the blood of that lamb on their doorpost and their lentil. And then there were to uh, feast upon uh, the, the lamb as well. So, and God said this final plague that is coming, he said when, I, when the death angel passes over, when destruction passes over and sees the blood, destruction cannot touch that household. That, that destruction will have to pass over that household. That's where we get the feast of, called Passover. So we know that that lamb, that blood, was all pointing towards one day the Lamb of God, the Son of God who would come, the spotless Lamb of God that would shed His sinless blood to be applied to our sinful accounts and that debt that we had that we could not pay, He came to pay a debt that He did not have and it can be stamped, paid in full for those who will place their faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ and what He has done on their behalf. So, this Good Friday, please come out. We're, we don't have a long service, but we're going to have a very important service commemorating Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who came and shed His blood for us. And we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And we're going to be talking about that redemption that we have in the blood of the Lamb. That word redeemed means a ransom has been paid. You were held hostage. A ransom had been placed over your head. The ransom has been paid so that now you can come back into your father's house with blessings and security. So Jesus paid that debt with his blood. So that's Passover. And then uh, unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, 
follows right after Passover is the unleavened bread. We see represents Jesus who was the lamb without spot, without blemish, without sin. For leaven represents sin. This is a time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They would go through their house and they would make sure all leaven had been removed. It's a time for us and this prayer and fasting and leading up to this is we examine ourselves and we see is there any leaven? Is there any sin? Is there any disobedience to God? Is there anything that would break the heart of God that I'm doing or I'm not doing? This is a time of repentance, not condemnation, but repentance where we can return and turn back to God and turn to His plan for our life and turn for the purpose that He has created us. So uh, unleavened bread is a very important feast, which is then followed by first fruits, which is three days after Passover, which correlates directly with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says three days, this temple will be torn down, but in three days it will be built back again. We know that he was raised on the third day. First fruits, he is the first fruits of the, of, of the dead, the Bible says, proving that if any of us die, we're not dead for, for eternity. It's not the end. He's the first fruit that there is life after the grave. He took the sting out of death to be absent with the Lord now for a Christian is to be present. I mean, to be absent in the body is for, for a Christian to be present with the Lord. So now we go to sleep here and we wake up in heaven. Our heart stops beating here and starts beating in heaven because of what Jesus did at first fruits. He paved the way. He made it possible for us to be eternal beings and to have eternal life with Him. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. And then... Uh, we know 50 days after uh, uh, his resurrection, there comes Pe Pentecost, it's Pente 50, and uh, that was when he gave his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the living God came to not only be on us, not only to be with us, but now to dwell in us and flow through us as he birthed his church to now be his body. So we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ and Jesus is our head and the Spirit of the living God gives us power, gives us wisdom, gives us revelation and flows through us. So thank God for Pentecost. So that's the church's birthday. Uh, not just Christian embassy, but the church universal uh, uh, was begun over 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost, and what a beautiful feast that is. And then the fall feast will come, the feast of Rosh Hashanah, feast of trumpets, uh, which uh, is commemorate, uh, telling us, not commemorating, but it's still pointing towards uh, what is yet to be fulfilled. Like I said, the spring feast had been fulfilled, and between the spring feast fulfillment and the uh, fall Feast, future fulfillment, is what they call the church age. That's where we're at now. And then the fall feast being fulfilled with Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets is, uh, correlates with the rapture where the Bible says in the twinkling of an eye those that are dead in Christ shall be caught up first and we who are alive and in Christ will be, meet the Lord in the air. That he's not coming all the way to this earth, but there's going to be a rapture that he takes us out of this uh, world. There's trumpets, and he said it, the last trump of God, that, that trump sound that we shall be caught up to be with him ever for, forever with the Lord. So that we're anticipating. Uh, we don't know when. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But the Bible says we'll know the season. So we know it'll probably be in that season, Feast of Trumpets. How exciting is that? So around September this year, Feast of Trumpets will be coming. And then followed by the Day of Atonement. 
And the Day of Atonement uh, correlates with the high priest would go in one day uh, out of the year and he would go in and he would apply the blood there at the mercy seat of God for all the people of God. The Day of Atonement we're going to find when Jesus does come back to this earth as he will after the rapture and a time of judgment that comes upon this earth. He'll come back. He'll set everything as the high priest in order. And then he will then Feast of Tabernacles he will, that's the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Habitation where he will uh, be with, uh, set up uh, his kingdom here on this earth as he also has in heaven. So all of that is looking forward. So here, that's kind of the whole gamut of what God has set up and how you and I are fitting in and participating. So we're right here in the, here's the church. We're right here between the two. We are celebrating what he's already done. And with faith, we are anticipating and preaching and excited about what he is yet to do. But we have a place in the plan of God. So you are right there in the center of the heart of God. So as we are preparing for this Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday coming up, I want us to look at our lives and look at uh, our schedules, and I want us to prepare. I don't want us to just go through this time, this season, uh, if it was so important that God would set this time and this season up in the Word of God uh, with these feasts so that we would not forget, and He gave them great uh, specific things to do to prepare for these feasts, why shouldn't we be prepared for the greatest day for Christianity this coming Sunday, uh, which is Resurrection Sunday? So, you know you prepare for going to school, you prepare for going to work, you prepare for going on vacation. Uh, how many is ready for a vacation? Okay, they're talking about Orlando, Orlando, and I'm like, wow, some of you don't want a vacation. Well, we'll let you stay home and take care of the pets and the chores and all this stuff while we go on vacation. But we prepare for vacation, we prepare for birthdays, we prepare for anniversaries. I think even today, the Williams, uh, Tim and Nancy, were not able to be with us from Knott's Island as, the, Knott's Island, as they're preparing for her father's 90th. 90-something birthday, uh, so they got all kinds of family and friends coming in, and they were saying they couldn't be with us because they're making preparations for that. So we prepare for birthdays, we prepare for anniversaries, we prepare for Christmas, you know, but, but it's amazing. Uh, sometimes we don't put as much energy or effort or thought into preparing for Easter or Resurrection Sunday, which is one of the greatest days in history for the Christian community. So I want to talk to you about doing just that. And how many of you are big preparers for Christmas? How many of you hang Christmas wreaths and you've got stuff in the attic and stuff in the garage and you pull it out and you start hanging? I've seen some people that hang enough lights to light a city. It's amazing. In their yard and they got enough uh, snowmen and globes and characters. I'm like, how and where did they put all of that stuff? They've got more closet space than I've got. I must rent a, a facility to keep all of that stuff stored because you can tell they have prepared and they keep adding to it and adding to it over and over for that. But then it comes Easter time and, you know, there may be an Easter lily uh, that we've set on our kitchen table or something like that. But wait a minute. 
Here's the most important day of all. Yes, thank God for Christmas. Thank God that God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son. But Jesus came with a purpose. He didn't just come to hang out and be popular. He came with a purpose. And the purpose was to come and live a sinless life in the human body so that His human death and His human blood that was sinless blood could be applied to our sinful account and get us off the hook. Get us off of the hook of damnation and separation from God. I mean, this should be a day that we give more credit to and that we give more attention to and preparation for, I say, than any other day in the, the, the year. So I want to give you three basic uh, ways that we can effectively and meaningfully prepare for Resurrection Sunday. So here we got a week. So three ways to prepare for Easter or Resurrection Sunday. And we're going to take it right out of the Scripture in Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 29. And it came to pass, when Jesus drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that He sent two of His disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, and when you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent their way, went their way and found it just as Jesus said. And when they were loosing the colt, the owners called and said unto them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teachers, rebuke your disciples. But he answered to them, I tell you, if these should keep silent, that the stones would immediately cry out. Now as he drew near, he saw the city, and he wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you, and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Here in these verses of Scripture, the Lord showed me there's three things. There's more, but I'm going to, it was given instruction to focus on three things and how we can better prepare for this coming Resurrection Sunday. If the Lord should tarry and we're here next Sunday, this is what we need to be doing this week. And I believe every week following after that. And we see it right here in Luke, Gospel, chapter 19. And the first thing that we should do in preparing for Easter or Resurrection Sunday is we should do what Jesus says. We need to do what Jesus tells us to do. And if we'll do what Jesus tells us to do, I am here to promise you, you will be in such a better place next Sunday. You will be in a place that is higher. You will be in a place that is more favored. You'll be in a place where there's more power. You'll be in a place where the anointing of God is freely flowing. You'll be in a place where the Spirit of God is not quenched or grieved. If you will make the decision here on this, uh, on this celebration Palm Sunday that I'm going to do what the disciples did, I'm going to do what Jesus tells me to do. 
Pastor Radiko shared some transparency here this morning about this young military guy that uh, the Lord just kept prompting her to reach out to and prompting her to meet up, uh, get us to meet with him and, and talk to him and thinking it's for photography or thinking it's for something else, not really knowing. But, but keep, you know, we're busy, we're busy, and we just keep putting, putting it off, putting it off. And she said today, she said, I have to repent because here I've just seen that he's no longer with us. We don't know if it was suicide or if there, there's an investigation going on. We don't really know. But, but I, never, I never did reach out to him. Well, she stands here with transparency, but we could never throw a stone at her because every one of us, every one of us are guilty, myself included, and where we've been prompted by God to do something, prompted by God to call someone, prompted by God to send a message, prompted by God to go visit someone, and we just, we just uh, came up with an excuse. We're busy, we procrastinate, we're not saying no, we're just saying not now. Well, how many of you know delayed obedience is really disobedience? And we need to learn to do what Jesus tells us to do. When the disciples did what Jesus told them to do, he said, go into the city. You're going to find a colt. Loose the colt. It looks like you're going to be stealing the colt. They're going to catch you, but you be prepared and tell them the Lord has need of him, and, and they'll let him go. And that's that exactly what happened. And now, as Jesus is riding this colt into the city, into Jerusalem, we see Zechariah 99, what the prophet had prophesied hundreds of years before, is fulfilled to the letter. It says, Say to the daughter of Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Here the word of God is fulfilled because of their obedience. The prophet, what he said... Made God not to be a liar because they did what they were told to do. I'm here to tell you we will always bring glory and we will always bring honor to God when we walk in simple obedience. I would challenge you today to stop uh, in minimal, minim, minimalizing or stop trying to intellectualize the promptings of the Lord. That the, It may seem small, it may seem insignificant, but if you will simply choose to obey, you will find that you will be an instrument that ushers in the glory of God, that maybe even ushers in the fulfillment of prophecy that God has had prophesied that would take place. You will bring forth the manifest of truth on earth, even in your most simple acts of obedience. But you must be committed to do what Jesus tells you to do. And what he tells you to do will never violate his word. You must know the rhema word of God. God speaking to you out of his word or speaking to you in your spirit will never violate the logos word, the written word. So the devil thinks, oh, pastor, you go ahead and preach that and I'll come as a prince of air. I'll come as a, an angel of light and I will twist the scriptures just a little and I'll get them doing things that are not what God told them to do and, and, and I'll get them off track. Well, let me tell you what. We're smarter than the devil because we we have the wisdom of God. Amen. So with the wisdom of God, whatever God tells us to do, we know it's God when it lines up with the Logos, when it lines up with the written word of God. If it violates it, we're going to say, nope, that's the angel of light. That's the trickery of the enemy. That is what the devil is trying to get me to do. So a lot of people tell me they're, they're uh, cautious. They're, uh, they would rather be overly cautious not to do something against God 
So they, if they don't rightly discern, they would rather say no to every prompting that they hear. Well, let me tell you what, you don't want to go that way because if you go that way, you're living more in fear than in faith. You need to, if you don't know if it lines up with the Word of God, you've got enough brothers and sisters and pastors and, and teachers around you that you can run it by to see if uh, there can be confirmation and affirmation about that. But don't just sit on it. Don't just say no because I'm not sure. If you feel like it's from the Lord, test it and see. Because if it's from God, the truth will always stand. Amen? The truth will always stand. So don't make an excuse because you may not know or don't make an excuse because you may not have the time. Let us make a commitment on this Palm Sunday, this Sunday that represents the, the, the fulfillment of Zechariah 99 because some disciples were willing to do what Jesus told them to do. And let us go forward in advancing the kingdom of God and bring in glory and honor to Him by us too saying, Yes, Lord, even before we know what He tells us to do. Amen? That we're committing right now, this morning, Right now. Let's just do it right now. Father, we just come to you right now. Lord, without even going any further, we want to commit ourselves to do the Word. And Lord God, you're telling us that we should do what you tell us to do, that we should walk in obedience. Lord God, we commit ourselves, we commit our ears, we commit our hearts, we commit our lives, we commit our brains, we commit everything that's involved in the equation of decisions to you, Lord God, and we're willing to do what you tell us to do, no matter how small an act, no matter how great an act, no matter if it's to a stranger or if it's to someone we've known all of our life. Lord God, we're here. Our hands are yours. Just lift your hands to Him. Lord, my hands are yours. Just tell Him, my hands are yours. Just wiggle your toes. Say, my feet are yours, Lord God. And just, just let Him see, God, I'm here. Take me, use me, send me, speak through me, touch through me, love through me. I give myself to you on this Palm Sunday to do what you tell me to do. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. I'm telling you what, I'm all about us. I'm all about us committing our lives to do, uh, do the Word of God, to do what He's called us to do, what He's created us to do. Uh, it would be in vain for us to gather here and just look pretty for the Lord. It would be vain for us just to gather here and, and, and try to encourage one another for a few uh, hour, hour and a half, two hours in and go back into our separate ways. This is an equipping center. We're an equipping church. We're in Ephesians 4. Gifts given by Jesus of apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, and teaching to equip the saints to do the works of service that we might go out and, and fulfill or bring the maturity of the body of Christ, no longer being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but coming to the maturity where we, we bring forth much fruit for the advancement of the kingdom of God. That's who you are. That's who we are. And we thank God for that. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to make preparation for this coming Resurrection Sunday. And I believe we've just done the first step and we're committed to do what Jesus tells us to do. The second thing we see in this story is uh, Jesus in Luke 19, 41. Uh, he was looking out over the city and the Bible says as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city that he wept over it. Verse 41 of Luke 19. So let us pray and commit ourselves in preparation to feel what Jesus feels to feel what Jesus feels. 
I'm telling you, this is so very important because it would be so easy to get caught up in the crowd and, and it would have been so easy for Jesus to get caught up in the emotions and the, and the shouts of Hosanna on this day. But we see that he didn't get caught up in all of that and not see the people. He saw the people as he's there in Bethphage coming into Jerusalem and he looks out over the city and he knows what's going to happen. He knows that many of them are not going to make the right choices. He knows that because they reject him and they crucify him and they don't receive him as the Messiah, that, that in 30 some years later that Titus will be coming in and he will be uh, besieging the city and he will be bringing destruction and destroying the temple and burning it and, and the gold would run into the rocks and then they would chisel out the gold so not one stone would be left unturned. They would reduce it all to rubble. There would be children killed there would be families that are destroyed in the war of all that will take place. He sees that. He sees the pain. He sees the loss. And, and the Bible says that he wept. He wept. Now, I love the New Testament and the Old Testament. As we know, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Hebrew is a very pictorial language, and it's like an animation so you can see that uh, all the prophecies and the feasts and all that were uh, given to us are in picture form pointing to the Messiah was used in that type of language. And then the Greek language is a very intellectual language that splits hairs, has words that, that, that go into great detail. And uh, just like with love, there's you know, five different words for love. And uh, you got an eros love, a love between a husband and a wife. Uh, we get erotic from, but that's the eros is where it's supposed to be. And a familia love, love between family, a storge love, a love between friends, that best friendship like Jonathan and David had. And then there's uh, that agape love, that, that, that God love, that love without any uh, uh, strings attached. And I'm going to love you just because I'm I'm, I'm instrument of loving and uh, like God. So, so we see how Greek splits hairs and gives us great insight in doing that. Well, in the Greek, when it says Jesus wept, we see he uses a particular Greek word unlike one that we probably pictured immediately. For that word is kleo, uh, that the, 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 he uses there, kleo, which means to sob. It means to wail out loud like the weeping at a funeral. Uh, you ever been to a funeral and you heard someone just wail out loud and they're just, the pain is so great and, and they're just weeping uncontrollably. Well, well that is a kleo uh, that he used. Uh, there's another Greek word for weeping and that's dakruo. And dakruo means to shed a tear or to cry silently. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen people interviewed and they start talking about their family or their, their children or something that they've gone through. And, and they'll go, they'll get a little quiet and they'll take their knuckle and kind of like, kind of like they're pushing the tear back in their eye to keep it from running down their cheek. And they usually always apologize. I don't know why. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And uh, well, that's a dacruo. Uh, kind of reminds me, how many of you remember back in the 70s? Any of you were alive in the 70s? Any of you sober in the 70s? <laughs> okay. Uh, in the 70s, there was a commercial. I remember I was a young, young, young child in the 70s. And, uh, so uh, where this Indian uh, chief, you remember? And, uh, and he would be looking out and seeing all the trash in the in the water and the waterway there and then it would turn and it would go off with a tear running down his cheek well that would be a dacruo just kind of like that silent tear the pain's there but but that's not what jesus did 
The Bible specifically says that he cleoed. He, he wept, he wailed, he sobbed out loud. He was so moved by the pain and the, and, and the blindness of the people and what they were yet having to go through that uh, he weeps out loud. It's the same word used when Mary sobs at, at her brother Lazarus' tomb. So she was weeping, she was wailing out at his tomb. It's the same word used with Mary Magdalene when she says she came to Jesus' tomb uh, weeping as Cleo. She was sobbing out loud. Uh, it's the same word used when it says Peter bitterly wept when uh, he heard the cock crow uh, after he denied Jesus three times. And it says he bitterly wept. That's the same word, Cleo, here. So I want you to get a picture here of what Jesus was doing. And, and I know we are sometimes so intellectual and we're so uh, set in uh, controlling our emotions that we can pass people and pass through life and leave, leave them where we found them. And yet there they are and they're in so much pain. They're going through so much internal turmoil that you'd never even stop to be able to look at it. Well, we need to pray. We need help there. We need to pray. And we need to ask God as we prepare for this Resurrection Sunday, Jesus, if we're your body here on earth now, and you're the head, we now are the heart. We need to feel what you feel. And I believe if we'll pray that, that God by His Spirit will make us more sensitive to where we can start identifying some of the pain and some of the hurt around us. Because there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of emptiness and you and I have the answer and you and I have that which will fulfill and it's not our intellects, it's introducing them to Jesus. And let me tell you, the world is crying, the world is hurting, the world doesn't know what they need, but we as the ambassadors of the Lord know what they need because what, did, what helped us will help them. The joy of the Lord changed our life. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding changed our life. And now all they need is for us to make <clears throat> that introduction. So we need to not pass them by. We need to pray, God, help me feel what they feel. Let me tell you what, that would help us so much as we prepare for this Resurrection Sunday, for our hearts to start being broken for the hurting, for those who are wandering, for those who are searching, for those who uh, don't know what's going to happen. They're afraid. There's a lot of fear in this day and time. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. How are they going to experience that power? How are they going to experience that love? How are they going to experience that disciplined, sound mind unless you and I, the representatives, the ambassadors of Christ, are willing to share it with them? And if we don't feel what they feel, we'll pass them right by. I'm telling you, we, we've gotten really good at our sympathy. We can send our sympathy card. We can, have it, we can even have it scheduled on a funnel uh, a system that a card will go out and it's followed up by a note. There's things that I've seen companies do uh, that this automated, automated sympathy. Let me tell you what, we've got our sympathy down pat. But let me tell you what, we need some empathy. We need to see, wait a minute, these are real people. They're faced with real challenges. We, but by the grace of God, that's where we would be. That's right where we would be. And, and had it not been for whoever introduced us to this gospel message and to this hope and to this deliverance power, had it not been for us receiving that, <clears throat> we would maybe be worse off than they are. 
So how dare we pass them by? How dare we not care about <clears throat> our brothers and sisters? The Bible says that we have a cross relationship with God. And that cross relationship is we have a, a vertical axis relationship with God, but he says we have a horizontal relationship that we are responsible for, for our neighbors, our near ones. It's what the Bible says. And God says to one of his disciples, he says to us that you dare not say that you love God if you refuse to love those who you can see. How can you say you love a God you can't see if you're not loving the people around you that you can see? So the great commandment and the great commission are a part of our lifeblood. And the great commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's our vertical. But to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that word neighbor means near one. So that means you start with the near one. Your neighbor near at first it could be your, your spouse. If they're nearest to you. Or your fiance, they're nearest to you. Your parents, they're your near ones. Your siblings, they're your near ones. But then he tells us that we're to start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So we don't limit it to our near ones. We also then, we reach out beyond. But that's where we begin. So we need to begin showing the love of God to our near one. We need to love our spouse as Christ loves us. Come on, church. We're to forgive our spouse as Christ forgives us. We're to give a second, third, fourth, hundredth chance to our spouse as the Lord gives us. They're our near one. How dare you say you love me, a God you cannot see, when you refuse to love the near one there that you can see. So we need a touch of God in our hearts. Because let me tell you, life can harden our hearts. Circumstances can harden our hearts. Disappointments can harden our hearts. People, if we listen to people and not see them through the love of Jesus and look at just their actions and their reactions, can harden our hearts. Our own poor choices can harden our hearts. We need a touch of God. We need a touch of God in our hearts and not just our minds, but in our hearts so that we can have a tenderness, that we can have a compassion, that we can have a love, that we can have an empathy, that we can have a care for people. It's not all about us. It's not all about me getting better and better and better and better and leaving anyone behind. Oh, I love what the Marines say. No man left behind. We're not leaving anyone behind. Even if I go back under fire, I'm going to go at the risk of dying to get my brother or my sister into safety. All that the church of God, that we as brothers and sisters in Christ would reach out with that type of commitment. And it'll never happen unless God touches our heart. And I know I'm right there with you. We walk in these dirty streets of life and we need our feet washed you know, symbolically to get the world off of us at times because that crust builds up and we get harder and tougher and harder and tougher and more removed from where people are. Oh, let us prepare going into this Resurrection Sunday and this week of, of, of Good Friday. Let us prepare by asking God, God, You tore that, 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 that veil that was separating man from You. And it was feet thick that horses could not even rip it. But You tore the veil in twain to open up the Holy of Holies. Lord, there's a veil in our heart. Lord, that the world is built, Lord. But, and, and we've tried to tear it on our own and open up to the, to the tender, the heartbeat of mankind. But God, we need Your help. 
And let me tell you what, He's already specialized in tearing that veil from the top to the bottom that you don't get the credit and He gets the credit because man couldn't do it, but God could. And He'll do it for you as well. Oh God, tear that veil. All the pain, all the scar tissue. People have disappointed us. Yes, but we've disappointed others. People have let us down, but we've let others down. People have hurt you, but you've hurt other people. Let us, let us get real in life. We're not this elevated uh, personalities that, that's all perfect. We're going through a perfection process, a sanctifying process. But going through this process, we've stumbled, we've fallen, we've said things that we forgot we said, and we didn't honor because maybe we forgot it. Maybe it was an honest mistake, but you still let people down. You still hurt people. And hurt people hurt people. But here at Christian Embassy, as Pastor Radika has written this book, Healing the Broken Heart, and I love what she says, if hurt people hurt people, healing people, healed people, heal people. So let, me, let us get healed by a touch from God. He came to heal the broken heart. Amen. Let me tell you what, you've been pushing people at a distance too long. The very people that you're pushing, you don't even want to know their trouble. You don't even want to know their situation. You don't even, don't even want to get involved. Let me tell you what, you may have been the only lifeline they had. It may be the only one standing between them and an eternity in darkness, separated from God, all because they didn't know. All because they weren't given the good news by someone who loved God, but loved them. Oh God, touch our hearts. Oh, let's just pray. Touch our hearts here this day, God. Touch our hearts. Lord, I pray you would tear, rend from the top to the bottom any veil of scar tissue, any veil of a wall that has been built up around our heart. Lord, help us to become vulnerable and help us to become transparent and help us to become genuine and help us, Lord God, with tenderness to reach to our neighbor, reach out to our colleague, reach out to our roommate, reach out to our brother, our sister, our mother, our father, a close friend, our spouse. Lord God, help us reach the near one and help us to feel what you feel. Lord, that we would have empathy, Lord God, in a way that comes from you. Not one that's manipulated by the enemy that takes advantage of us. But Lord, an empathy that comes from you, Lord God. Lord, that is guarded with wisdom, that is guarded with righteousness, but yet is open to feel and touch and, and, and reach out and love on those that are hurting around us. So we pray, Lord God, that you would help us feel what you feel as we commit to do what you say do. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then our final, our final thing that we get from these scriptures that we can do in preparation for this uh, coming week and our Resurrection Sunday uh, is to tell who Jesus is. To tell who Jesus is. Matthew tells it this way in Matthew 21, his version of it. He said, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. It was stirred. There's that word, C-A-O. And that word CAO, we get our word seismic from. So the whole city was stirred like a seismic activity, like the ground shaking from an earthquake. The city was changed. It was moved into a different direction because of Jesus' entry. And they asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus! 
This is Jesus. Hallelujah. The Savior is what His name means. I pray you and I would go out in this week and we would go out in such a way that we would go celebrating the goodness of God that it would begin to stir, shake people. Because let me tell you what, there is a shaking that is going on in this world of a demonic influence. There's a shaking going on. There's a seismic activity. There is, there is danger that is just one pressure point from bringing great destruction. And I don't mean only in America, I mean world war. I'm telling you, we are in the most dangerous of times. We are in a season that we cannot just walk through it with our eyes closed. We must know that, the, that this is a dangerous, dangerous time. But in the midst of the most dangerous times of all, that is where we need to introduce the, the, the hope and the trust and the peace and the plan of salvation. We need to introduce them to Jesus. They're, everything's shaking, but they said, who is this? This is Jesus. Let me tell you what, we need to commit to tell others who He is. I'm here to tell you, that's what they're waiting for. They're waiting to see if there really a, is a God. People are waiting to know if they, He really does care. People are wanting to know if there's really a people of God that will reach out and tell them that are unashamed of Him. Let me tell you what, if we're going to fill our churches, we got to fill His church with praise. we got to fill His church with uh, our commitments and our life. But we've also got to go out into the highways and the byways and and we got to bid them to come in. We got to tell them about Jesus. We got to tell them the seismic activity that is going on in this world uh, is somewhat threatening uh, and somewhat uh, to be uh, that which you don't know its future. But let me tell you what, you can know your future when your future belongs to Him. And you introduce them to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ as their deliverer. Jesus Christ is the one that will bring hope and peace and joy into the midst of their situations, taking fear out and giving them power and love and a sound mind. Hallelujah. We are the ones. We are the mouthpiece. We are the voice. We are the ones to make the introduction to those about Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's why we went to the effort to print up these uh, invite cards. If you got them in your bulletin, but there's many at the Welcome Center, get them. And let us commit this uh, season, as we're going through this season and this week, to bring one person to Jesus. Because surveys had been done in the 70s, surveys were done in the 80s, surveys were done in the 90s, surveys were done in the first 10 years of 2000, and now into the second 10 years of 2000, and the Pew Research always comes back with the same thing. As the numbers of people uh, uh, who are not attending church said, what would it take for you to go to church? What would it take for you to go to a house of worship? And every, the majority, the majority always said in all of these years, if someone invited me, if someone would just invite me, if they would invite me, I would go. Well, let me tell you what, we're going to take their excuse away because if what they're saying even in part is true, it is time for us to get out here and let people know there's a safe place and there's a powerful place where they can come and worship the Lord. Their family will be safe. Their children will be safe. It's a place they'll be loved. It's a place they'll be celebrated. It is a place where God is King of kings and Lord of lords. It's 
not about a personality of man. It's not about a show. It's not about performance. It's about Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, and allowing His Holy Spirit to move and minister and heal and deliver and set free and touch and lift up people in the way that the Spirit of the Lord so desires. We need to invite them. We need to invite them. I know many times in our own homes we'll say, you know, uh, wow, we don't want to have anyone over because we've not taken the time to clean up. We've not taken the time. I don't know if anybody's ever been there. Wow, you look at the sink and you look at the counters and you look at the floors and you look at even your, get, your, your opening front room that's supposed to be always in order. You know, so if somebody does drop by unexpectedly, you got somewhere and you look and you're like, nah, nah not today. Doorbell rings. I better, I better go run, you know, because uh, you, you haven't done preparations. Well, let me encourage you. We've done preparations at Christian Embassy. Let me tell you, the doors are open and the seats are ready. Look around you. There's open seats. Let me tell you what. If every one of us would commit to bring one person, one person to church on Sunday to come and hear the message of hope and the message of healing and the message of love. What, what is bad about that? What is hard about that? They're sitting out there saying, I want to go and I want to hear, but nobody will invite me. And here we're sitting, hearing the pastor say, we're preparing for Resurrection Sunday. We're going to do what Jesus tells us to do. And we're going to ask God to open our hearts so that we can feel what Jesus feels. And now we're going to reach out to those that are begging for an invitation. And we're going to invite those to come in so that they can experience what we experience. Pick up these cards. Make it a commitment. Make it something that you do between you and God that I will have one person, at least one person. I could say two, three, four, five. But let me tell you what. Let, let's just make it really simple. One person. Because if you bring one person, we are already running out of seats. And that's what we want this house to be full to the glory of God. And you're going to bring them here and they're going to meet your crazy Christian friends that you think, well, my crazy Christian friends may turn them off. No, they're going to love your crazy Christian friend. You're going to introduce them to your crazy Christian pastor. And let me tell you what, you think, well, my crazy Christian pastor may scare them off. No, I promise you, I'm not going to scare them off. Come on, bring them in as we bring them closer to the Lord so that they too can experience a relationship and they too can experience the salvation message and the life that God has given to us. Amen? Amen. Come on now. So that is, that is what I believe that we, God has given us from His Word that we can do in preparation for this Resurrection Sunday. That we can do what Jesus tells us to do. We've already prayed and asked Him. Lord God, we've asked Him to look at our hearts and to forgive us for the times we've disobeyed. Forgive us for the times that we procrastinated. And say, God, I'm committed. Are you committed? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Is He saying your commitment levels at a one, five, seven, or ten? Ten being the best? If it's at seven, I encourage you to move it up to ten right now. Make it a ten. Jesus, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. How exciting is that? Your God, your Creator is going to be giving you things to do that you don't even know what it's going to be, but you've already said yes. You've already signed the blank contract. And you said, God, you tell me, I'm going to do it. And he's a holy God, so he's not going to hurt you and he's not going to do anything to embarrass you or humiliate you. It's only going to be good. He's a good, good God. And then, Jesus, take away the scar tissue. Take away the wall. Take away 
all the excuses I've used to keep me distance from my fellow brother, my fellow sister, my near one that's in pain, my near one that needs you, Jesus. Help me feel what they feel beyond just a tear running down my cheek. But Lord God, I can feel it to where with emotion I'm moved by that compassion. Help us, Lord. And then, Lord, I'm committing myself. Where are you at? One to ten. I'm going to tell everybody about you, Jesus. I'm going to tell others about Jesus. Now, you think that means you got to go get a Bible that's the size of one of these monitors and stand on the street corner and say, Jesus! That is probably not as effective as you telling somebody, let me just tell you how good God has been to me. And God is no respecter of persons. What He's done for me wants to do for you. He's a good God. Let me tell you what He did in putting, putting, pulling my family back together. Let me tell you what He did in pulling me out of a bondage of drugs and alcohol or whatever your story is. It's your testimony. We overcome that red dragon by the blood of the Lamb, God's part, by the word of our testimony. Start people love stories. Tell them your story. But don't make it an essay, a novel, because that's... You get too winded, they get winded. <laughs> Just tell them little punchlines what God has done, how God has promoted, how God has healed you, how God has saved your marriage, how God has turned your children around, their lives around. Just tell, just tell a story. And say, let me just tell you, God is no respecter of persons. He wants to help you. If there's an area of need in your life, He wants to come to that point of need. He's a Savior. He's a good God. I'd love you to come hear about His goodness. Our church celebrates the goodness of God. We worship Him. We'd love to have you come. It has all the information. And then, and then if you can, get their information so you can follow up. Maybe on Saturday you can call them and say, okay, we talk Tuesday. And it's, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. That great celebration. That great time of worship. That what I was telling you about is tomorrow. I want you to be my guest. I'd love you to sit with me. I'd love to be able to share some time with you. Let me tell you why. Percentage-wise, you'll find most of them will be here with you. If you'll do your part, you'll see the Lord will do His part. So as we prepare for Resurrection Sunday, let us make our commitment to these three areas and any others that the Lord would place upon your heart as we prepare to go into this week. And you say, well, what if someone wants to get saved before Sunday? Hallelujah! What if someone wants to get saved maybe when you're in, inviting them? And they say, well, I want to know this Jesus now. Hallelujah! Don't put it off. Don't wait. Don't say, well, come Sunday, my pastor will do it. You've been equipped as the saints to do the works of service. You say, well, what, what do I pray? Well, we're going to pray not only as a, a, a teaching, but we're going to pray for anyone here right now or maybe who's tuning in and you're at home or maybe you're in a hospital or maybe you're tuning in from a jail cell or a prison. It matters not where you're at. God is here and God is near. And God wants to do for you a miracle of salvation today. So if you're here physically or you're reaching in through technology, here's the prayer that we want to pray. But I'd like to ask everyone to stand with me. And I'd like to ask all of you to pray with me. This is your practice for leading someone to Jesus this week. 
And if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you can become a child of God right now by praying this prayer with sincerity between you and God. Let's pray. Father God, I celebrate your goodness. You're a good, good God. I love you. And I want more of you. I want your plan for my life. And I know your plan for my life is salvation. So I come to you now through your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Deliver me. Fill me. I receive you as the Son of God and as my Savior. I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord. I surrender to you. I surrender all. And I believe that God has raised you from the dead. You are alive. Come live in my heart and live through me. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.